0: Welcome to the Dishonor Society podcast, where we show you the world through our eyes to anxious Asian American teens.
1: Our niche is that we have none, but listen to us as we try to make our way through the world and try to survive high school. I'm Amanda. I'm Kusu. And we're your hosts. So, for this week of the Dishonor Society podcast, we will be exploring representation
0: in film, specifically Asian American representation. Which loosely connects to our last episode which you should totally check out, and it's about the male and female perspective in media.
1: Alright, so I know a lot of us grew up with Disney Channel, and if you had, Phineas and Ferb and Jessie were definitely staples. Um, Let's start off with Bal I think he's an integral part of everyone's childhood. I think he was an integral part of mine. So G definitely played into a lot of stereotypes. For those of you who don't know, he plays an Indian character, and his whole purpose was to be the comedic relief. He was funny because he was Indian, he followed all of these stereotypes, and because he had a funny accent, which was really just an
0: Indian accent, despite growing up in America. It didn't connect, it didn't make any sense.
1: It really did not.
0: <laughs> I mean, I know a lot of his humor also came from the fact that he was like scared of failing, he always had to have those perfect grades, which, as yes. a lot of us know, that is the pinnacle of the asian stereotypes,
1: and it was specifically math i remember there's this one episode where he kept thinking about failing a math test and it just kept spiraling until he it was, was in his nightmares to, until he was not going to be able to go to college and get a good job i mean the problem is is that we kind of relate
0: to that but that's not the point here
1: i think we relate to it because we're like in high school and about to apply to colleges in the fall i think that's less of an asian thing and more of a being right. a high schooler in the 21st century thing <laughs> but it know? is still
0: problematic i know ravi kind of plays that same role in jesse oh, definitely he was a character from mumbai india i think
1: and he was adopted but his entire purpose was to be funny because he was indian like his accent was his whole thing him wearing like indian clothes every episode being mrs a... kipling being a huge nerd was Kipling too, And, you know, Disney let him drop his Indian accent, his very aggressive Indian accent in Bunked, which was the spin-off to Jesse. So at least, you know, he's finally American in that episode, but it just, it made no sense because a lot of his jokes and a lot of the comedy that was centered around him was centered around his culture and heritage, which he can be a funny character without relying on that as a joke definitely and although when i was younger a lot of this i did not realize that paulji and ravi were racist characters written by people who were not indian now that i'm looking back i feel like those characters set us back quite a few years because they perpetuated those stereotypes and instead of educating people about the cultures they're really just letting people laugh at them and ridicule them which definitely carries over into real life especially when it's a children's show
0: oh yeah for sure i'm not indian obviously but as someone who was an Indian watching those shows, you just sit and watch it comfortably. And I think that's the worst thing about it. Is that you don't realize that it's wrong and you don't realize how problematic it is until you look in retrospect and you're like more informed. But the thing is, is that these are marketed towards like younger audiences, children who are like between the ages of, I don't know, seven to like, I don't know, maybe like 12 now. I know they're getting older as we grow, but they don't realize that it's wrong. I didn't realize Baljeet was that racist until I looked at it again when my brother was watching on TV and I was like, whoa, that's not okay.
1: Yes, and honestly, I think for both of us, we didn't really realize when problematic characters were problematic until we realized, you know, we grew up, we're both minorities. um, Right. And we realized how harmful they are. But think about all the kids who aren't necessarily from a minority group who grow up thinking it's okay to make jokes like that about someone. Like, I've definitely seen it, and I know we can't attribute all of it to, like, two characters in Disney Channel, but it definitely does perpetuate it when that's who you grow up with.
0: And I understand the want for like diversity. Like there are shows like Nihao Kailan that we grew up with on Nick Junior. Some shows do intend to educate their audiences. Like I know Nihao Kailan did teach um children Mandarin at school. But the thing is that these children don't really know right from wrong very well yet. I mean I'm not like downplaying their knowledge, but it's very difficult to know what's racist and what's not racist at the age of ten. Or maybe yes. seven, I won't say ten. But I know for me personally, um, with Nihau Kailan being such a very stereotypical character, I was called Nihau Kailan a lot growing up. I guess Asian representation in children's shows, at least back in the early 2000s, Asian representation's is very sparse. At some points, there are opportunities for it to be there and for it to be just, like, there comfortably, not something forced and not something used as comedic relief, but they don't take that opportunity. I know, for me personally, High School Musical was one of my favorite movies ever. I loved that movie so much, and my favorite character was Gabriela Montez. Gabriela is played by Vanessa Hudgens, who is a half-Filipina actress, and me being Filipino, I was like, yo, that's sick, but I didn't know that growing up because Gabriela was actually casted as someone who is Hispanic. I understand also there is very sparse Hispanic-Latino representation in Disney Channel as well. There's just this weird feeling for me personally that you cast someone who isn't actually that race and you tell them to portray that race even though they're like, not yeah it's honestly harmful to both groups and on
1: that note we're not trying to say that misrepresentation doesn't happen with other races it definitely does we're just speaking about our own experiences and what we've seen growing up in this episode
0: there are so many opportunities for high school musical to have such a diverse cast especially since it was a high school set in new mexico in like roughly 2005 2006 ish i don't know most of the leads are still white I mean, that's still common here today, but there's just little to no Asian representation, and the closest we'll ever get is the actress or actor's like actual background rather than their character's background, and I think that's just kind of yeah, and a bit rough.
1: When you're casting, when you're trying to be diverse in your casting, you have two opportunities, I would say. So you have the opportunity mm-hmm. to make their race apparent and choose that use that character to educate someone else about their culture, and you also have the opportunity to make their race apparent, but also treat them as any other high school character without putting them in any stereotypes, without putting them into, like, a box, let's say, and making it seem like this could be any other student or any other character in the entire United States. Correct. I agree. So a lot of the time when we see with early 2000s films and even before, people are either miscasted or casted in a very strict stereotype. And referencing our first episode, they're written this way because people just always assumed... Or people always just wanted their audience to be white. And that's not true because there's so many other people who have access to televisions and who can view these films. And it doesn't make any sense to keep centering the white gaze in film and ignoring everything else and making people laugh at other cultures and other races just for your own entertainment and enjoyment because it does keep perpetuating those stereotypes like we again referenced in our previous episode it doesn't exist in a vacuum. It doesn't exist on its own. It, it's a direct translation of our own world and it interacts with everything that we see today.
0: We've definitely touched upon this in our past two episodes where we oftentimes look for the familiar and what's unfamiliar. And for the longest time, diversity in these early 2000s media, it was just so strange to a lot of people it kind of made some people uncomfortable too. But the thing is, is that we also forget how much of an impact the media has on like younger generations growing up and finding their identity. Exposing younger audiences to these types of diversity is just so quintessential. But in our generation with those early 2000s shows, it just really didn't hit the mark.
1: Yeah, I mean, you have to do it right. I mean, it's not that it's even hard to do it right. You just have to be conscious of what you are doing. And when you're talking specifically about comedy, like in the case of Balji and Ravi, You have to ask yourself, what is the audience supposed to be laughing at? Because they're not laughing because they're funny characters or they're making a genuine joke about a situation that they're in. You're laughing at them because they are from a culture that's different than your own.
0: And although we're getting better at diversity over the years, people are still having trouble with staying true to representation, and that leads to the current phenomenon present in a lot of films, which is miscasting. And I guess while we're on the topic of miscasting, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, which came out
1: very recently, I loved that movie. Um, if it, it was basically about the life of Freddie Mercury, who, although he did distance himself from his culture in order to follow his career in music early on, he is an Indian man. I mean, in the movie, what happened was Rami Malek was cast as Freddie Mercury, and although I love Rami Malek, he was a knight in the Museum, one of my favorite characters, <laughs> he is not Indian, and he was cast as Freddie Mercury. There's an issue there, because I don't want to fault Rami Malek for it, because I do definitely think it's more of a casting director thing because i know that at the time he was getting typecast very hardly and he was being put in very stereotypical roles for someone who's egyptian so i guess at that point you kind of take what role you get but the casting director that they did not see a difference in two people who are from completely different continents as long as the skin tone is similar i guess it's okay which isn't great because we already have so little representation of people who are portrayed in a healthy way where they're not like the butt of the joke he's a successful person who was successful in something outside of a stem field And he's not ridiculed for his culture. I mean, they could have gotten the casting right with that. And
0: I understand that there's a lot of pressure with casting someone to play Freddie Mercury, who's such a strong, pivotal character in our society. He is just one of the most well-known artists, I'd argue, in the music industry. Someone who's been a long-time fan. And also, just such a strong pivotal character in culture in general. He's definitely brought a lot of issues to a lot of people's attention. But the thing is, casting a more well-established actor like Malik is seems like a no-brainer. But the thing is, is that it's such a good opportunity taken away from a lot of Indian actors who are lesser established and could have had that breakout role as Freddie Mercury. But it was taken away from them. Mm-hmm. Though it's not Rami Malik's fault at all.
1: Yes, and there's a difference between like being you know handed an opportunity versus working for it, and What we mean to say is that there are a lot of great actors and actresses from minority groups, and they're very talented in their field. It's just that because of the way Hollywood sees people of minority groups, they're just never given the opportunity for being cast into a major role.
0: And of course, a lot of people argue that it's still a person of color, you know, it could be worse. And yes, it has been worse, believe it or not. There's a lot of controversy (laughs) around this, so I'll be brief on this, but... um... 2017 there's a film called the ghost in the shell and our good old scarlett johansson our good old buddy from last episode
1: favorite asian american queen uh,
0: yes she was the lead role as a i think she was a japanese woman i know it was based off of an anime the thing is is that scar joe could have been so well off even without doing this role and the only thing it really did unlike rami malik's case is that it definitely took a lot of opportunities away from a lot of east asian actresses and there were a good handful of established east asian actresses during this time
1: and you know there's another issue with a white person imitating a minority uh, borderline i think the term would be yellow face but i think the term itself is a little problematic considering what it alludes to but it's just that she could have had her pick of roles so at this time i think she's one of the highest paid if not the highest paid actress in hollywood she could have picked any role she wanted but instead she chose to play the role of someone who's another minority especially a group of people who's already underrepresented in film because no one wants to cast
0: them of course after ghost in the shell came out in 2017 we had what i call the asian media renaissance when crazy rich asians was released i love that movie amazing movie. Basically, it was the movie for Asians, by Asians, with the most Asian representation people have seen in a long time in Western media. And of course, before we go into how great that movie is and what it did for Asian representation, as a lot of us know, there are a few things in there with miscasting that a lot of us tend to overlook. And for me specifically, it was one of the cousins of Nick Young. I think his name was Oliver. And I liked his character. But the thing is, is that I started seeing some similarities. And I was like, that's not someone from China. Wait a second. That's a Filipino man. It was Nico Santos, Um, who if you don't know, he's a Filipino-American actor. And he is in other shows like Superstore. And he played a Filipino man, um, Mateo. But in this film, he was cousin to Nick Young, a very well-esteemed Chinese man. And so he's also Chinese. And the thing is that the Philippines' relationship with China isn't the greatest, but we're not a political channel yet, (laughs) Um, so we can't really go into that. But it is another example of miscasting because, of course, those are two very different ethnic groups, of course the Philippines being in Southeast Asia and China being in East Asia. But of course, looking past that, Crazy Rich Asians has still remained one of my favorite movies of all time, and it's still a very, very important film for Asian representation moving forward. I mean, I know
1: from the point of view of someone who is not East or Southeast Asian, I love that it cast the culture in a beautiful way. It was not made fun of. It was not ridiculed. Like, it was a normal, respectable movie. There's nothing to be mocked about it. And first of all, the set design, which isn't necessarily related to oh, representation, yes. but the set design was so gorgeous. And they had representation in all levels of the film. It is not just surface-level representation like some Even other- Even
0: behind the scenes.
1: Yes, like uh, people who were in production, uh, people who were like in high up, like producer, director's roles, they were Asian. Like it was a movie made for Asian people. Created by- Asian by... people. Yes, exactly.
0: It was definitely just this- rebirth of opportunity for a lot of the Asian American community. And what really striked me about that movie, it being marketed as a rom com, it also had a lot of commentary behind it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just the man loves a woman, they get married, whatever film. Like most rom coms are, which I'm a huge fan of rom coms. Yes. But there was a lot of commentary on social class. Exactly. There's a lot of commentary on culture there's a lot of commentary on family and values and beliefs and that's what really made me so happy to see it in theaters was because it was just such a deep film but it was such a highly profitable it was still marketable and it was still appealing to the western audience but still honored the eastern audience as well.
1: Yes and another one of those things is that it just proves that if Hollywood had thought about Asian representation because a lot of the time hollywood would always say it's not profitable to cast asian people in major roles when crazy rich asians defied that it did so well in the box office, it was such a popular movie, the books did really well too like it's really just showing that you're not casting asian people because you want to be racist, like there's no real way around it Another TV show that has been praised for its representation but didn't necessarily have representation in all levels of production would be Kim's Convenience. For those who don't know, it's a Canadian show and it focuses on like a Korean-Canadian family without ridiculing them. It's a family that is just living its life. It could just be any other Korean-Canadian family in the country. But there was some controversy as it recently ended where it wasn't a story that was written by Korean people even though it was casted as a Korean comedy show. Really? I didn't know that. I mean, you have this thing where there is one white character in the show who is the girlfriend of the son in the this Korean-Canadian family. Oh, yes. Oh, and yes. as the show Kim's Convenience ended, she got her spinoff, which a lot of people see as problematic because although the entire show was about celebrating Korean heritage and about this Korean family when you're choosing to continue the show you're continuing on with the white person who's getting the spotlight
0: i understand you guys can't see my face right now but i'm extremely perplexed what yes (laughs) that doesn't make any sense
1: the person i'm talking about right now is simu liu who was just recently cast in a marvel film i believe so good for him very proud of him (laughs) But Whoa. he wasn't, he was never ridiculed. He was never like the Asian stereotype in this show. And he's like really pretty, but they were also recognized really in the show pretty. that he was really, really pretty. He was really He
0: really was really not pretty. made fun of at all. And not to go off on too much of a tangent here, there's other points you want to reach. You mentioned Shang-Chi, which is coming in theaters next month, not to be a walking promo for Marvel. <laughs> but it did interest me that it did take them over 10 years to have one Asian character besides Mantis, but she's an alien, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes. And especially as a lead. Of course that also gives us our girl Aquafina in the MCU, but it's kind of weird that it (laughs) took them long enough.
1: And there were other opportunities to cast an Asian person in a major role, Doctor Strange
0: for example. Yes. I can't oh my the God. The person, so if you want to go ahead, you yes. can talk with the name. Um, for those who aren't too familiar with the Doctor Strange lore, there is the Ancient One, who was a monk, of course. We do have Benedict Wong there, but the Ancient One, who was the most powerful of all Sorcerer Supremes, I guess, was casted by actress Tilla Swin, who is British. She is a white woman. And there are many, many opportunities to hire an Asian actor or actress to play that role but they didn't go that route and it was very problematic for a lot of reasons but yes and I did
1: kill her off so they can't really do much about her anymore (laughs) and I believe in the comics itself she was specifically like explicitly an Asian person she's from Tibet
0: I think yes maybe and you know as we've seen Asian representation is just it's wishy washy currently. In light of the Asian renaissance, we did have To All the Boys I Loved Before, the Netflix original based off of the book by a Korean author with a Korean lead, and it was a great movie for what it was. It was a teen rom-com, which oftentimes we never see Asians as the lead there, let alone an Asian that celebrates her culture, but also can be seen as just another average high schooler yes exactly and i know
1: i watched that movie i loved it i thought it was really really cute um a lot of time what we see in rom-coms is we just see two white people getting together but now we have this oh for sure actress who's asian repping her culture who again Uh is not ridiculed or is not the butt of the joke and she could also just be any other high school student like she's not playing into really too many stereotypes or anything of the sort
0: now of course it kind of went downhill by the third movie where she kind of (laughs) played into that overachiever stereotype. But as we've experienced going into senior year, that's a pretty easy hole to fall into.
1: Yes. And I know a lot of the time with leads in any rom-com or any team film, they don't want them to have to focus on grades necessarily. So they just make them a very high achieving student. So the romance could be the main thing. So although we're not sure if she does fall into a specific stereotype they do a pretty good job of may- portraying her as like any other high school student with like high school problems basically
0: it did target a younger audience um, as opposed to crazy rich Asians and it just further exposed more people to asian rep in the media
1: yes and i know similarly
0: um never have i ever my
1: representation the main character is <laughs> south indian so not just indian very exciting for me who's telugu anyways <laughs> So she basically the main character, she's Indian, she celebrates her culture. There's like episodes where she's wearing like um like a half sari, a She's celebrating her culture, she's going to the temple, Ganesh puja and all that sort of stuff. But she also could be like a high any other high schooler like she has problems with her her dad passing away, and she's trying to deal with that, going to therapy. She has problems with her friends. She's trying to find a boyfriend before high school is over, over. She's trying to be cool and popular. And although it does address a few stereotypes that may be a little ingrained with our culture, where... Her mom is just pushing her to go to a good school and she herself internalizes that and does want to go to schools like Princeton, is trying to be the top of her class. She does defy those stereotypes in a way where she is pursuing other things outside of academics and she does have a temper a little bit too, which I thought was a great trait to put in her. And another thing that I thought was interesting is there's always been the stereotypes surrounding like Indian men specifically where they're just creepy or predatory and they can't be pretty (laughs) anyways. Prashant, who's um, a character that her cousin is possibly going to get engaged to because they kind of meet each other for the first time. He's played by Kota who's also Telugu, because all the hot people are from South India. <laughs> Anyways, he's like really pretty, and he is, that's recognized, like he's not painted to be like a creepy person, and none of it really does seem like outlandish, like everything's treated with respect. When they explore the culture, they explore it in a respectful way, and I believe even in the production itself, there's a little bit of representation with like, um, they see people controlling the storyline and that sort of thing. And it's also marketed towards people who might not necessarily be Indian so we know there's uh there's like a really big audience for this show.
0: So, I do think that Mindy Kaling is the head writer for the show. Yes. Yes, I believe so. Right. And for a lot of people who may not be familiar, Mindy Kaling is a very established writer and actress in Hollywood and a lot of people may know her from The Office, which is yes. still a pretty Pretty popular show. It's still kicking (laughs) it to these days, but I do think it's important to note a few things that The Office does have that I consider dated comedy relating to Asian representation. Which there is this one episode in The Office that really stuck out to me when I was watching it for the first time, where I believe Michael Scott, Dwight, Jim, and Andy go to a hibachi for Christmas, and I think. Michael and Andy end up picking up two Asian girls that were working as waitresses at that hibachi restaurant. no, I don't like where this is going. (laughs) (laughs) I really don't. And the running gag of this episode was the fact that these, they couldn't tell the two Asian women apart from each other. So they ended up switching dates halfway through the show and not realizing it. They also played off the idea that Asians are gold diggers. But my point here is, is that... (laughs) Yes, these are two very prominent things. And these are things that a lot of Asian Americans still deal with today. And it's kind of ridiculous. Yes. But the thing is is that these popular shows like The Office, which is one of my favorite shows, by the way. I'm not here to hate on it at all. They have such a strong influence on all generations. And it's clearly not going away anytime sooner. But we do have to recognize where we can draw the line with this comedy. And we should be able to acknowledge that a lot of comedy... And these older shows are dated and that these stereotypes that are used as gags are very offensive today yes and we should just learn to be a bit more sensitive with what we consume in media
1: and i don't know if it's just me but whenever i see a stereotype written out to ridicule someone it's just it feels like lazy writing i mean it is definitely racist too but it's also you're relying on this as such a heavy crutch and expecting people to find it funny but specifically racist people to find it funny. It's not even that. It's just that you were writing specifically for racist people.
0: And it's kind of like going back 20 minutes ago where we're talking about Baljeet and Ravi. hmm It was written by a white person. And I think it's just very harmful that a lot of the media we consume is written from that lens that is just using people of color as the joke. And, of course, this is an older episode. It's bound to be dated. It's from the earlier seasons. Mm-hmm. but.
1: It's still a good example people,
0: of what not to do. Right. And there are people re that episode as we speak, seeing that episode and laughing. And it's just, it's weird. It's a Yeah.
1: And also, this is why it's important to have representation in all levels of production. Like, it's not just the parts that we see. We want representation in, like, writing and directing and producing. Because this could have all been avoided if you consulted a single Asian person. <laughs> If exactly. you involve them in the writing process, this would not be right. an issue as long as we give people voice. I mean, I know Jamila Jamil is one of the actresses that I respect today. She's um South Asian. I love her so much. She's one of my favorite actresses. She's like an activist, an actress. She does so many stuff. but she's a great example of someone who is an advocate for her group of people too. She advocates for a group of people. She advocates for like good representation for not only South Asian people but also women and people of all shapes and sizes unlike some other people we know in the media today but it's just a testament of what could happen when you give someone like the right role
0: another actress i think of is Gemma chan yes who you may know her from crazy rich asians you may know her from the upcoming marvel movie eternals why do we keep talking about marvel here (laughs) oh my god but she's like you said she's also an activist she also advocates for racial equality and accurate representation in media, and also just in general. She's just a very vocal person. She's very smart. She's so stunning. <laughs> yes. And she's just it. I love Gemma Chan. With
1: are there heart. any people in the media that we don't love um, who are represented? Not to bash anyone, she's but so, I think this the is a
0: question that you can
1: answer. <laughs> for Tell those of you who know me in real life. Priyanka Chopra, which another thing is that I've always been compared to Priyanka Chopra because I'm like Indian and I'm like brown, which ouch. we're not even from the same parts of India. And those of you who know me, I don't look like Priyanka Chopra at all. (laughs) I know people mean it as a compliment, but I just think it's so funny. The way that I see it, I joke about it, but it might be true. I see her as a representation of Asian people for white people. She's cast in a lot of of places where um, Indian actors or actresses are needed but then she's not super empowering or uplifting i suppose she was known in india for being miss world i believe which is great but also she did a lot of commercials for skin lightening which damaged like an entire generation of girls like skin bleaching saying that you could only be beautiful if you're light-skinned or if you're white basically very colonial beauty standard and you know skin bleaching is very harmful like you would get like some kind of disease it's not good for you and just... A
0: lot of it contains mercury, for a lot of people who don't know. Yes, so it's
1: not good for your health, and you're basically just saying that people aren't worth anything unless you're comparing success and beauty and all these positive traits with whiteness and saying that none of that is going to apply to you if you have brown skin or darker skin, which by default applies to most people in India. Mm-hmm. Anyways, now she is supposedly a feminist icon, even though, despite her past, uh-huh. she has a lot of white fans is what I'd like to say. Um, that's why I say when she's representation of Indian people for people who are who are white in America. And she did recently apologize for it, but, you know, there's always the option not to do those commercials. Like, I get that there's money in them, but there's right. other commercials that you could do. In my personal opinion, although I can't really say what's going through her mind, I do believe that she's only apologizing because her white fans are holding her accountable
0: and while we're on the topic of good and bad asian influencers can i just give a shout out to randall park yes asian representation on his back since god knows someone get him a chiropractor honestly that poor man he's in literally everything if you go onto his imbd you can scroll down for ages and never reach the end i just love him i just love randall park that's out of my system
1: i mean i know someone who i really love for her defense of the asian american community and statements on like the way women are portrayed in film lucy Liu, who a lot of you might know from her iconic roles in charlie angel in killville and a lot of other early 2000s films the tinkerbell movie <laughs> yes she's in kung fu panda too i believe oh yeah she's Viper. yes i love Viper. She's my favorite characters <laughs> anyways um she spoke a lot about the way that Asian women specifically are portrayed and the term she used was about being a dragon lady a lot of the time or being a very stereotyped and very sexualized Asian American stereotype in film and she's found success apart from those stereotypes which shows that you don't have to be portrayed in those stereotypes and you don't have to write in those stereotypes to write a good character. She's in Why Woman Kill right now which is a pretty successful show plays a great character. A couple great characters actually but I know specifically what she said is that a stereotype and I'm quoting here a stereotype is difficult to relate to because it's an often false surface level thing that doesn't actually speak to the core of who a person is. This is precisely why creating an Asian character who is a reverse stereotype is not going to resonate either. The opposite of a stereotype isn't representation. It's simply a warped reflection of the stereotype itself and can cause its own form of harm to the people it claims to be representing.
0: I definitely agree with her statement. It's definitely something that when you hear it, it feels like a slap in the face, but at the same time, it feels like the truth that needed to be said a long time ago. The Dragon Lady has always been this sort of, as you mentioned, a very sexualized character, and it's often even used to other Asian Americans as some sort of like joke. Yes, absolutely. It makes people uncomfortable, and I understand that, yeah, sure, it seems cool for the male gaze. Ooh, let's hide that. <laughs> But it's a very harmful stereotype, and it's something that can be used to hurt other people. And I've even seen it used against minors sometimes, Asian American minors, and it's just really disgusting.
1: It's It's it has so many layers in it, but it's just all bad. I mean, for context, we're recording this episode August twenty twenty one. And recently, mm-hmm. I mean, recently it's come to light, even though it's been happening for a very long time. Anti-Asian hate, especially a lot of it relating to the sexualization of Asian American women. And it's just really a tribute to the idea that none of this exists in a vacuum. You're really just perpetuating all those stereotypes that has real life consequences where people who exist in real life are being harmed actively.
0: And it's not even like it's just in social media. It's just, it's not like something that's so distant. I know I've heard a lot of personal stories from people i know that, that have so gone awful. through this especially this dragon lady stereotype and i think one of the only ways we could really combat this is allowing actual asian americans to tell their own stories
1: exactly it's another one of those things where story is not really created just for white people but it's created for men too and then everyone else seems to validate it. We've just talked about so many instances of great and positive Asian American representation, and it shows that it's possible. These films and these TV shows are profitable. They are drawing in a lot of money and drawing in a very big audience, and they don't have to fall into the stereotypes and very lazy writing where you're creating real-life harm just to make a quick buck.
0: Oftentimes we complain about the fact that a lot of Asian Americans are too afraid to speak up, but that's never been the case, it's just the fact that a lot of us aren't ready to listen. Exactly. And I guess, to end on a lighter note, this episode kind of started off talking about how the importance of the media we consume when we are younger has an impact on the way we view the world. And something that really just made me feel really great inside other than Crazy Rich Asians, was the most recent season of my childhood favorite show, Blue's Clues, <laughs> which um, for the longest time, we had the classic Steve, we had Joe, the people who haven't seen Blue's Clues, they're like, what are you saying? But She's a fan. I promise I'm going somewhere with this. The most recent installment of Blue's Clues is led by a Filipino actor, and his name is Joshua De La Cruz. You might know him from the musical Aladdin, you might know him on Broadway, you might just know him because you watched Blue's Clues (laughs) at one point, like I did, but what really excited me about this, you know, it's obviously Asian representation at its finest, but the thing is, is that not only are we still having the same classic Blue's Clues that we've grown up with, with the classic songs, like, we just got a letter, we just, sorry, (laughs) We also get some episodes where he talks about Filipino culture in mainstream media. He mentions um, in the Christmas episode, which a lot of Filipinos know, that is basically the most important holiday in the Philippines. We celebrate it from September to January. But for the Christmas special of Blue's Clues, he talked about how excited he is to see his Lola, which is grandmother, And how he's so excited to bake her famous recipe of bibinko, which is a really famous Filipino dish for Christmas. (laughs) It's so exciting, and I was so happy. He was teaching the kids different Filipino words. And I almost cried, (laughs) I'll be honest. It was just a really heartwarming episode for me. And I'm sure there are other episodes that do the same thing, but I watched the Christmas episode. And it was just something I never had growing up, being a Southeast Asian and also being Filipino. It was so rare to have actual, authentic Filipino representation in the mainstream media. And so knowing that the next generation or the younger generation... Are going to have. I'm getting. T- I'm getting Talking <laughs> about this, knowing that younger generations and even like people who are like I don't know, 10 years younger than us are going to have that representation. They're going to have that inclusivity, and they're going to learn about these other cultures in such a natural way, rather than something so forced and something used as like just a weapon against other people. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> I I'm, just- I'm gonna cry <laughs> now. <laughs> Keep talking. <laughs> Oh my god, okay, go ahead. It just. I don't know. (laughs) It just makes me so happy. It just. It's the. It's the only thing I could have asked for because, you know, our generation's kind of passed. It's gotten past that point where we can learn from these mistakes. So to see that they progress and they're getting better and better. And it's not perfect, of course. We've seen some backtracks here and there. But to know that there is hope for Asian representation at such a young age and it's so properly done just gives me hope for what's to come. And it's just so
1: beautiful. I mean, I know for people who are being represented as kids... It's just, you know, fills you with joy. And for people who aren't necessarily part of that group, it like teaches them basically. And I guess just a PSA to parents and filmmakers. Your kids will be fine if they learn about other minority groups. Oh, Nothing yes. is going to happen to oh, them. Yes. They will just gain a more worldly view and they won't make any mistakes about being like racist when they're younger and they won't really be intentionally harming anyone about their identity. It's just making a more conscious tomorrow where we're respecting each other regardless of things that they can't change, like your identity and culture.
0: We've definitely learned over the past few years and I'm definitely impressed by how quick a lot of people have been to pick up on these faults. And
1: I guess if there's one thing that we want people to take away from this, is just the importance of representation, the importance of turning a critical eye to the media that we consume. Because it does happen with all levels. And I guess, not to repeat what we said last week, but again, this is really, it's really just a reflection of our culture. And it impacts the way that kids grow up, interact with the world, and the way that adults interact with the world. Especially since we can learn a lot when we're young from kids programming.
0: I like to think of it as a boomerang. Yes. You throw it you throw it at them and it comes right back to you (laughs) if we don't make the change to see things in such a more critical but also understanding light how are we going to make that change we're just going to keep going back and forth and back and forth until we find no end and it just becomes some sort of dystopian universe exactly and at least we're moving forwards is what we're trying to say so in this case we don't want to be like jojo ziwa we don't want to come back like a boomerang we want to keep moving forward
1: (laughs) absolutely and we hope that you all learned something from this podcast although it is from our perspective we wouldn't say that anything that we have said is untrue um thank you for listening to this episode of the dishonor society podcast
0: you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at the Dishonor Society Podcast. And you can email us at the Dishonor Society at gmail.com.
1: We release episodes every other Monday wherever podcasts are found.
0: And we hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.